When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm getting ready. I am. I'm getting ready right now in my uh, priest collar to, with all due respect, Tom Brady's dad. I am. Hey, is Andy Reid going to retire? Look, Candace Parker's an idiot. That Brunson guy, I don't know. He's pretty good for the Knicks. And would you watch the steroid Olympics? It's all happening right now. I'm looking biblical, my children. Don't at me starts right now. You know, there's a thing, I think it was in Game of Thrones, where they said, anything said after but. You know, I really like you, but you're a bald, fat, porky pig-looking Mother Hubbard. You know what? The Raiders are really good, and I think they should hire Antonio Pierce. But Antonio Pierce was a cheating fool when he was at Arizona and really doesn't know his ass from third base. See, whatever you say before... The butt doesn't matter. It's after the butt that comes into play. Little butt play for you right there. But here's the deal. It's the same thing with all due respect. What'd you say, Dylan? Ricky Bobby. You can't say whatever you want to say to me. Yeah, I can because I said with all due respect. Tom Brady's daddy. With all due respect. How about you just shut the living hell up? Yeah, let Tom fight his own battles. How about you just S shut T L F U? Just shut the living up with all due respect. Tom Brady's daddy, here's the deal. This is like every daddy that you see. Indiana, we got a daddy here. Christopher Cross. Chris Cross, whose son C or Chris Gunn, excuse me, his son CJ plays and is by all accounts a really nice guy. Uh, for the Indiana basketball team. But his daddy is always on Twitter. And I've said this forever regarding Indiana players, and I'm sure you can take it elsewhere. Mommies and daddies getting on Twitter, being involved in their boys is never good. This goes back to 2008 when Bobby Capabianco was playing at Indiana. And his mommy was all the rage on the message boards and Twitter. And then Bobby Capabianco didn't play well. Well, you know what happened. The mob turned. Bobby Capabianco's mommy had to get off Twitter. She got hurt. Bobby Capabianco ended up transferring. I've said this before. I'll say this again. I won't stop saying it. Every mommy and daddy since at Indiana, it's gone to hell. It's no different in the pros. It's no different. Don't at me about it either. It's no different. Tom Brady had a great career with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick had a great career with Tom Brady. Bill Belichick decided that he was going to start Tom Brady, and Tom Brady decided he was going to work harder than any human being possible, particularly on his body, and become the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. That's the way it went. That's the way it happened. Fast forward years later, Bill Belichick 
Without Tom Brady, can't lead blind turkeys to take a dump, and Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl and goes to two. Dems the berries, which means Dems the facts. Well, all that being said and done, Bill Belichick doesn't get a job. Six job openings, I think it was six. Six titles, the world's greatest, the GOAT, by all accounts, can't get a job. Now, I'm not one of those that believes that he got turned down for all these jobs. I know enough to know what I don't know, and what I don't know is how many times did he say, nope, uh uh-uh, I don't have full control, I can't be your coach because I want full control. All right, what does this have to do with Tom Brady Sr. and shutting the living hell up with all due respect? Tom Brady Sr. had this to say about Bill Belichick. Bill is tough. He runs a military system. It's a different generation. Bill is a great, great, great coach. But his interpersonal skills are horrible. Yeah, okay. All right. What are you, Bob Hope? What are you, Bing Crosby? His interpersonal skills are horrible. Why? Because he didn't consult with daddy? That's the bottom line. Wow. How many times has he said, now you can tell this is the bitterness of daddy. This is the, I'm going to stick it up your you-know-what in your you-know-what. Listen to this. How many times has he said back in 15 or 16 that he wanted to win without Tommy? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to assume he said that a lot. I'm going to assume that if he said it even once, this stuck in the Brady Craw, junior, senior. That's what I'm going to assume. When he went without Tommy, he didn't know what he was losing. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And there are those of you that are going to say, well, what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Shut up, Dad. Shut up. That's it. That's what's wrong with that. And I speak from experience. My son, little white dude, walk on, Michigan. He became head of the bench mob. Next thing you know, ooh, wait, he's getting into games. Next thing you know, he's on scholarship. Huh. What comes with that? Not all glory. Every little white dude at Michigan thought they were better than him. And maybe they were. Don't know. A lot of criticism. Uh, If it weren't for your daddy... He wouldn't have got the job. You wouldn't have got there. You know what I did? I shut up. I didn't say a word. He transfers. He goes to Ohio State, fifth year, because they had a scholarship. Michigan didn't have a scholarship. Crushed. Soul crushing. I'm a dad. I got to read it. You know what I do? Nothing. You know what he does? Nothing. You know what he does? Becomes a 20-minute player on a 15-3 and team in the Big Ten. That's it. That's all. Nothing. Is it hard to stay quiet? Hell yeah. Is it hard to shut your mouth even after the fact? Of course. Even now, people come at him. Don't care. I shut up. My son and Tom Brady, I guarantee you, are alike in this vein. Maybe only this vein. I get it. But they can speak for themselves. If something goes, they can speak. They're fine. They don't need daddy talking for them. They don't need daddy evaluating it. They don't need daddy coming out and talking about the interpersonal skills. Really? What are you, Oprah? What? 
Your interpersonal skills are no good. This is personal to me because I had a dumbass assistant coach that at one point got arrested in his life. And when he left me and went to this other school where eventually he got arrested, he told guys, yeah, Dockage is a great coach, but his people skills suck. I'm like, okay, champ. All right. Bailed you out of jail in college. Bailed you out here. Okay. All right. Whatever. So it is a little personal, but I say it with all due respect. Here's also what he said. You're losing more than just a quarterback. Oh, now Tom Brady Sr. is a talent evaluator. Ego sometimes get in the way of things. I think it did with Bill. Now he's in a situation where he's gotten crucified. Boy, is this, is this sour grapes. This is passive-aggressive Crazy, I'm sticking it up your you-know-what. Listen to this. Ego sometimes get in the way of things. I think it did with Bill. Now he's in a situation where he's gotten crucified for the last few years by everybody. And a lot of luster has come off the rose. Maybe. Maybe. He continues, Tom Brady Sr., with this little, I don't know what you call it exactly. It's kind of a passive-aggressive unleashing of years, at least the last four years, of just torment. He just said, I made a mistake. He told us that back in September. We don't make all the right decisions, but he's made a hell of a lot of good ones over the years. But I know that it galls him that Tommy went elsewhere and won. Not that he won, but that he won after Bill said he was done. Uh, I would argue no truer statement ever said it galls him that Tommy went and won. Oh, soul crushing. I told you from the get-go. I watched a lot of people, with all due respect, on television tell me, yeah, both of their legacies are secure. That's not what I said. I used the teeter-totter. And I said, we are going to be, we are going to be measuring We're going to be measuring every win, every loss, championship, Super Bowl, no Super Bowl, playoffs. I told you that, and we did. I listen to guys on TV with all due respect, and they're really stupid. But Tom Brady Sr., you look like you're little. You look small. I know you're apparently a wealthy man, raised a great kid. I guess he's a great kid. I don't know. Running out on wives, impregnating two women. I guess you're great because you won. If you didn't win, you wouldn't be great. But I guess Tom Brady goes in because he won as a great person. But dads need to shut up. Let Tom say that. Let Bill say that. Let somebody say that, but not dads. Enjoy the living hell out of your uber-sensational son. Enjoy the work that you did to raise a man's man. But shut up. Andy Reid, ladies and gentlemen, I knew this was coming. It was just a matter of when. Andy Reid is rumored now, rumored, to retire if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. That's my friend Sean McDonough. Sean McDonough says Andy Reid may retire if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and is near the end, according to Sean McDonough. And he won't rule out Bill Belichick taking over in Kansas City where there's smoke, there's fire. Let me tell you why you listen to this show. You listen to this show, among other reasons, other than the incredible, handsome, priest-looking guy, 
that's sitting here in front of you. I can't get over it. Every time I look up and I see myself on program, I look and I see a priest. Are you kidding me? But the fact of the matter is this. You listen to this program because I tell you things. I tell you things, but about things like there's always a backstory. Now, walk with me, will you please? Andy Reid has morphed into this grandfatherly figure. If I'm Bill Belichick, that's where I want to be. If I'm Bill Belichick, it's high risk, high reward. What does that mean? Well, if Andy Reid wins a Super Bowl this year and steps down and Bill Belichick walks in, high risk. You've won two in a row. Odds of winning three in a row aren't very good. You're coming into a team whose expectation would be one thing and one thing only. Super Bowl, high risk. High reward. Maybe Travis Kelsey comes back. I'm assuming Patrick Mahomes comes back. You got a team that's capable of winning the Super Bowl. That's high reward. Now, does Bill Belichick care about that? My guess is no. Here's how you think as a coach. Give me Patrick Mahomes. And we'll win too. Give me that outfit. And we'll win too. The thing that I'm fascinated by is Andy Reid. Did you see Chris Jones rubbing his boobies after the game? Did you see him give him the reach around? He stopped short. He was giving him the booby rub. The reach around. He was all big and jelly. Big jelly is what we call Andy Reid. He was all like a bowl full of jelly. All wiggly and bobbly and chubbly and everything else. Well, that's love. When you can go give the booby rub from behind to your head coach and it's not not the Super Bowl, big game, don't get me wrong, going to the Super Bowl, huge, massive, second biggest game of the year. Don't, I know. When you can give the booby rub to the coach, that, ladies and gentlemen, is a sign of love in coaching. That's the greatest thing a coach can get. You know how the Dallas Cowboys messed up Jimmy Johnson's hair? That's the greatest thing a coach can get. That kind of interpersonal, nonverbal, loving communication. So, is Andy Reid a tough taskmaster? I guarantee you he is, but he's morphed into a lovable tough taskmaster. Hell, you see him on commercials and you're like, damn, AR, you go, man, you're fun. You're funny and you're fun. Can Bill Belichick be that? No. No. Is Bill Belichick funny? Yes. Does Bill Belichick have a great personality? Yes. He does. He does. I mean, don't, don't, don't at me about it. He does. But can you be Andy Reid? See, here's what you got to understand when you're rooting for your team. What you really should be rooting for your team is this, a connection. A weird connection. You got to have talent. Don't get me wrong. But you need a weird connection between the coach, the best players, and the organization. Let me explain. The coach and the best players. I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's historical. It goes back. I first realized it. 1976. Bob Knight. I'm like 14 years old. And I'd heard how horrible this guy Bob Knight is. But I watch for myself. I see, I read Quinn Buckner, Scott May, seniors in college. I read where Buckner would try to slip the practice plan out of Knight's pocket. I watch the sidelines. Buckner and May 
They can talk to the coach. They danced after big wins with the coach standing there looking, laughing. And nobody was tougher than Bob Knight, but you got a connection. It doesn't happen when you're a freshman. It happens over years. You get great players connecting to the coach. Really, it came to the forefront when Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and the assistant-turned-head coach Pat Riley made showtime with the Lakers. Pat Riley was, is a motivational speaker. He'll go speak. What does he say? Always one of the things, one of the tenets of Pat Riley is you better get your best players on board with you. You better get them on board. The other guys will follow, but Kareem and Magic had to get on board, and Pat Riley had to get them on board, period. Period. That's it. Well, if you watch the Chiefs, seems like everybody's on board. If you know anything about the Patriots, on board was different. Tom Brady could be coached hard, screamed at, yelled at, fined, whatever. He didn't bitch, whine, and moan. He didn't go like these current idiots go when somebody offends them. I didn't get my disrespect, man. No. So I'm not buying Belichick to the Chiefs, but I'm not not buying it. I'm going to be I'm going to be Switzerland here. I'm going to remain neutral. I want to see what the Sam Hill is going to happen. Can I see it happening? Oh yeah. Do I want it to happen? I really don't care. Should Belichick do it? Nah. Kind of on him, but if you're going to coach, you might as well swim downstream. You don't need to go to Carolina and swim it upstream. You're up here with the Chiefs. You're swimming downstream to screw it up. I would probably take the job. Now, from Andy Reid's perspective, if you know anything about Andy Reid, he's got a jacked-up home life. I mean, he's got one kid in jail, one kid committed suicide. I mean, it's a mess. Now, His kids are adults, they're older. The way he's handled it is either really good or it's like, damn, don't you even care? It just depends. Just depends on your perspective. But the fact of the matter is, at some point he is going to retire and you might as well go out winning two in a row. Unless, of course, your job is such that the minute the Super Bowl's over, I'm done. See you next August. You can't find many jobs like that kind of job. So I don't know what they'll do, but I hope Bill Belichick gets back into the NFL. And frankly, because I bet him, and I will always bet him, I hope the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Uh, This is interesting. We must talk about this. We must. We have to. Would you watch an Olympics that was all doped? Now, let me go through it, and I'm going to tell you my, my solution to the Olympics. Peter Thiel. He's backing a new drug-friendly Olympic game. He has invested in a drug-friendly Olympic contest styled as the modern reinvention of the Olympics. Part of a movement embracing ways science and technology can enhance human performance that critics argue endangers both athletes' health and the sport itself. Well, let's talk about the sport itself. Baseball was dead, D-E-A-D, dead, dead, gone, sayonara, lock a noche. And then, then guess what? Don't tell nobody, but Mark McGuire and others, Sammy Sosa, 
started taking roids like they were Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the Mr. World Championships. I mean, they were pumping it in. Next thing you know, baseball players looked like weightlifters. They were built like brick shit houses, and they were hitting home runs left and right. Sports Illustrated did an unbelievable article the summer of 2000 or whatever the hell it was, and it glorified what was going on at Wrigley Field to the point where I'm in Bowling Green, Ohio, and I got in my car, and I drove to Wrigley and went to a game. So don't tell me steroids isn't going to help the sport. Steroids is always going to help the sport. We don't really care in baseball what the guy's doing until after the fact. But while he's hitting home runs, we're getting out of our seat as a dude hits one off an apartment building across the street from Wrigley Field. Who you crapping? But here's the idea. The enhanced game said it will not test athletes for drugs or other performance enhancers at its event. Now, it's not clear when the first competition will take place, explaining if embraces the inclusion of science in sports and is unencumbered by anarchistic legacy systems, meaning archaic systems that don't matter anymore, that are anti-science and stigmatized enhanced athletes. The contest said it's aimed to be the first international sporting event in history that will require full medical screens on athletes competing to monitor any risks. All right. You know what my first thought is? When do the transgender clowns get mad? When do those clowns get mad? When do they start bitching and moaning? That's my first thought now. See, if you enhance dudes to run, all right, if you're Ben Johnsoning a dude, uh, they're going to beat everybody. If you're Ben Johnsoning a woman, and all of a sudden Leah Thomas comes over, it'll be interesting. I'm not advocating for this. I would watch this. Ready for it? Summer Olympics start in Paris. Track and field, all that. Great show. Whoever wins. I would then pay. This is, sounds stupid, but I, this is what I would watch. I'm not saying I would do it. I'm saying I would watch this. I would pay those same athletes, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth place, maybe as many as six, I don't know, in whatever events are most interesting, 100, 200, hurdles, whatever. I'd say, look, I'm going to give you $10 million each to dope or to just compete in our Olympics against others that dope. I would watch that. Like, I would watch. I don't know. I used to know between Houston McTeer and Carl Lewis and everybody else, I used to know who was the 100-meter champ or 100-yard dash champ, and I used to know the number. I know under 10 seconds was massive. I don't anymore. I have grown up. What can I tell you? But I would say this. I would watch that. So the 100-meter champ, let's just say for the sake of argument, runs 10 flat in Paris and they win. That same champ goes to my Olympics, goes to the doctored Olympic, goes to the, you know, let's go, we're going to juice Olympics. So that same champ goes to the juice Olympics a year later. Let's say, you know, 16 months, whatever it is. All right. And they run again against maybe the fifth place team guy, girl, who juices as well. 
I would watch that. I would watch that to see who wins, and I would watch that to see, all right, are the times really better? Now, does this put athletes' lives in danger? Depends who you ask. A lot of people will tell you, under a doctor's care, six-week cycle of steroids, nothing wrong. That's how I used to look when I was in college. That was what I did. Now, I didn't recommend it for everybody, but that was my body. Now, they couldn't put my real head from 1983 on there because, well, there was too much hair, too much good-looking, and women would fall out. But that's what I looked like when I was juicing. I don't know. I think at 61, I would have a better golf swing than that stick, veiny, ridiculous hunk of man. But I got an eight-pack. One, two, three. No, that's six. Maybe that's 20. That's gross. Get that off my picture, but I do like it. That's pretty funny. But anyway, I say to you, let the dope enhanced run. I'd watch it. Every day, I mean, Micah Parsons, every day, like every single day, you got to talk. I mean, is it really that important what you say? I mean, is it really, really that important that every single day you must have an opinion on your team, on your, for, on your players, on the referees, on your coaches, every day. I mean, give me a chin of rest, as my dad used to say. So here's Micah Parsons. Honest to God, every day this guy, he's talking about the Cowboys, and he's talking about his coaching staff. We were just outperformed, out-schemed. You want to put it? Like, they had an answer for everything. And people saying, well, why didn't you just go play linebacker? Because, you know, they said you could stop the run. Well, guess what? The packages are in for me to go to linebacker. There's multiple packages, multiple variations. But I can only play what's called. At what point do you realize, you know what? You got to have guys. And in the NFL, you got to have real guys, like Micah Parsons type of guys. But if you really look at the NFL, is there anybody currently playing right now, left, that does what Micah Parsons does, that makes it always about himself, that tries to create content about himself? I'll give you the one guy, Jackson Mahomes, but he ain't playing. He ain't playing. And he's pretty much neutered. I mean, we don't really hear from Jackson Mahomes. We don't really see Jackson Mahomes. Jackson Mahomes is like a figment of our imagination now. There really isn't anybody. Is there a diva, dumbass wide receiver? I mean, Kendarius Tony's trying to be that guy. He's complaining that he wasn't hurt, but they said he was hurt. And nobody's paying attention because at some point, frankly, you just get tired. You just get tired of listening to guys that just have no basis for anything other than self-promotion, particularly when the leaders of the team, one is, well, both are big on self-promotion, Kelsey and Mahomes, but neither gives off that vibe. They're just living a life. So Micah Parsons says, well, I can only play what they called. 
So that's a shot. Oh, of course it is. Whatever the call is, Parsons goes on to say, whatever personnel they're putting on, I'm not putting out personnel. I'm not putting out the calls. Nothing's coming from me. So you could put that wherever you want to be or wherever you want to put it, but they're not coming from me. Man. So if I'm a coach, I, there's nothing you can say as a coach. Let me give you a little coaching 101. Know your position. Know where you stand on the coaching staff and in the organization and with the team. There's three separate things. With the coaching staff, look, I'm shutting up. Dan Quinn, good for you, man. Go to the Redskins. Micah Parsons, good for you. Talk all you want. I'm getting ready for the draft. If I'm a coach, I understand that guy right there. That guy right there makes the big bread, baby. That guy right there is the Gazda. He's on the commercials. He'll be highlighted. He's the guy. But also as a coach, and this is what you talk about, not only with the coach, the general manager, assistant general manager, player personnel, scouts, we can't win with this guy. It's hard enough. Remember, we always use this. Brad Stevens, why did Butler go to two NCAA title games? Because everybody was moving in the same direction. Everybody was pushing this way. There was no place for a player to go bitch. There was no place for people to backstab the coaches because whether it was the baseball coaches, the women's basketball coaches, the janitors, the administrative assistants, all the assistant coaches, didn't matter. Everybody was pushing in the same direction. Let me ask you. It's hard to win. And you got your best player, or at least your most dynamic player, your most publicized player. He's pushing this way. And nobody's going to say it in the Dallas Cowboys organization. Everybody's afraid. If you're Jimmy Jones, I would have to explain that. I would have to explain what I just said to you to Micah Parsons. I'd have to say, yo, dog, look around. Look at the connection of the teams that are left. Look at the connection of the 49ers. Whether it's Brock Purdy, Debo Samuels, Fred Werner, to the coaching staff, the coaching staff to John Lynch, John Lynch to Gabe York, I think is the guy's name, or something York, Jeb York. Everybody seems to be on the same page. Now, during the offseason, relative to contracts, There isn't a person in the organization that doesn't understand we're going to have differences. We're going to have PR. We're going to be talking. It may be divisive. That's the offseason. That's contracts. That's not the offseason with my little podcast, period. Players understand contracts. Players understand what other players have to do to secure the bag. Coaches, assistant, head, they understand too. You got to get the bag. You're trying to get the bag. It's once in a lifetime. You go. But what they don't understand is when you, Micah Parsons, don't play worth a damn in a playoff loss, and you, Micah Parsons, decide to go off on others, that, Micah Parsons, is divisive to your squad. And you got a lot of guys on that squad 
who are carrying around the yoke of legacy. Shoot, Dak Prescott is carrying around something on his back. You talk about somebody, if he could possibly win, even get to a Super Bowl, would drop a 10,000-pound weight off of his back. That's Dak Prescott. And you're out here hindering that. You cannot cut the guy. You can't. You should. You can't. I wish you would. I wish you would. But you can't. It's impossible. Dude's too good. Dude's too popular. The number 11 jersey sells like crazy. He does make plays. He is a disruptor. He is somebody that, based on talent and intelligence, you can win a Super Bowl with as a leader. But immaturity will crush you. And look around. Just do it. Look around. You know what you're not seeing? Out of the Chiefs? You know what you're not seeing? Out of the 49ers? A whole lot of immaturity. You're seeing dudes that are grounded. You see dudes that are appreciative. You see dudes that understand being there. And that's why they're there. That's why they're there. You want to know why the Cowboys aren't there? Because old number 11, at like 18 years old or 23 years old or however the hell old he is, thinks he knows better than everybody. And he doesn't. He doesn't know his ass from third base if you really want to know. But he's got a mic, he's got a voice, he's got a platform, he's got a personality, he's got a following, and I guarantee you every slapdick in his little entourage says, man, you right. You right, Micah. You right, man. Jerry Jones screwing you. You right. Dumbasses. All of them. Unless, of course, you don't care about winning. All right, here's the deal. You know, I love, I like players. I do. I like players. I I think they're fine. I'm not big a fan of players. I like Lane Kiffin. I like Lane Kiffin a lot. Lawsuit, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin lawsuit dropped. Remember this fat-ass lineman who went into uh, his office and taped him? Remember all this? DeSanto Rollins. DeSanto Rollins filed a lawsuit against Lane Kiffin. Every swinging you-know-what knew that this lawsuit was going to be thrown out. Every swinging you-know-what. Nobody sided with old Mr. Rollins. Rollins didn't want to practice, so he didn't show up, which you can do now. You can't. As a player, you can do that now. It's the way of the world. We care about players and their feelings and blah, 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 blah. So Rollins didn't want to show up. Rollins then taped Lane Kiffin in his office being mad at saying you should show up. Rollins taped it. Here's the article. A judge has now dropped a $40 million lawsuit. He's dropped it against Lane Kiffin. Rollins, who is still listed on the Ole Miss roster, alleged in his suit that Kiffin intentionally took adverse action against him on account of race. Yeah, of course. When in doubt, race about. On account of race for requesting and taking a mental health break but not taking adverse action against white student-athletes for the same request. Oh, the suit alleged sexual discrimination on the basis that Ole Miss has not taken adverse action against female student-athletes for requesting and taking a mental break. Here's the real truth. The bottom line is the real truth. The suit also claimed Rollins was moved from defensive line to offensive line on the scout team because he refused to enter the transfer portal and that Kiffin maliciously, deliberately, intentionally, 
and in blatant disregard for the rights and health of Rollins, verbally assaulted him during a meeting. The suit also claimed Rollins was moved from defensive line to the offensive line. There's it right there. You want to know what the lawsuit was about? You want to know what the mental health is about? There's your mental health. Man, I ain't doing it. Uh Uh-uh. I I ain't doing it. I I ain't going. No. No. All right. Kiss my ass. Get out of here. That's pretty simple. It's always a fat kid, too. It's like I say about women yelling at their kid at the supermarket. It's always the big ladies. Always looking for attention. So Slim Pickens here didn't want to move. So he took a mental health break. The coaches called him, said, look, you're on scholarship. We gave you days. Now it's time to come in and let's talk to your head coach. Rollins had his little recorder. Kiffin went off. You know what? Rollins, it's me. I don't like it. I'm going to sue. Yeah, go sue. Cares. It's players. Anybody really care? I mean, do you really care? I know we're supposed to care. We're all God's children, blah, 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 blah. But when I hear these things, I just laugh. And I do not care. Rollins has a scholarship to a great university, guaranteeing you that Rollins, if he took advantage of that scholarship to a great university, would probably end up playing, would probably end up having a really good career, would probably end up doing some really nice things at the opportunity that he was given. Seems like Ole Miss and SEC football fans take care of their own. But Rollins can't think beyond his nose. He's sad. He got moved to the offensive line. There's bigger problems in this world, yo, Rollins, than being moved to the offensive line. If the coaches move you, at least they're paying attention to you. It's that simple. Coach moves you, they're paying attention. That's a good thing for a guy that barely played. Good for the judge. He said, hasta la vista. When we come back, I'm getting into all the coaching hires with our friend Armando. Hey, hammer time coming up at 10 o'clock. Screen caps, hot women coming up at 10.30. Don't go. Where are you going? No. Tell your friends. Come on. I got to stand up because I got some swass. You guys know what swass is? I got some swass going right now. So I'm going to stand up, but there's nowhere for you to go. Armando's next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. I'm going to say it, Armando. Armando Segarra joins us with the background that represents all of us. I'm going to say it. The only interesting hire, and I want you to straighten me out, is Jim Harbaugh. I love your hair, by the way. Most likely to yell at the ref. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is the only interesting hire. What are your thoughts? I would say Jim Harbaugh is the hire most likely to succeed and definitely do it pretty quickly. Why do I say that? Um, 
because he's got the best quarterback of any of the guys that were just hired. I think that Justin Herbert, if he gets coaching that turns that defense into something other than 30th in the NFL and points allowed that or yards allowed that turns uh, that offensive line into a cohesive group and unleashes his skills, man, uh, we're talking about a guy that threw for 5,000 yards once upon a time, not too long ago, threw 38 touchdown passes, and that was with his second offensive coordinator in two years. He's working on his fourth offensive coordinator in, in, in four years now. Apparently, I mean, everybody says, and, and Telesco, Tom Telesco, got hired as a general manager after getting fired. That tells me he built a pretty good roster with the Chargers. That's what it tells me. Maybe I'm wrong. They had, like everybody else, Dan, they had their misses. But you look at that roster, <laughs> it, it should be good. And what is troubling about the Chargers and has often been the case the last few years is they come into a training camp with this, you know, big name star studded roster. And then you spend the entire season watching those those big names go down like bowling pins. Uh, They can't keep these guys healthy. And last year that included uh, Justin Herbert. So. I don't know if they have to remake their medical department or their, you know, athletic training staff or the way that they manage or the way that they overload players at certain times. But something's got to happen there because you cannot win with 30, 40 percent of your salary cap on injured reserve. Let me go through them with you. I'm going to go through just some quick thoughts. Brian Callahan, Titans. I understand the hire. They have a young quarterback that needs help, and he helped the young quarterback in Cincinnati to be very good. Mike McDonald, Seahawks. Half, half of Pete Carroll's age. And I think that They're hoping that he is some sort of defensive guru in the making, and they need that because they're playing in the same division with Sean McVay and and Kyle Kyle Shanahan, who have great offenses. Raheem Morris, Falcons. Yeah, it was his time. You know, he's, he's not like the other guys. He's 47 years old. He's accomplished. He's been a head coach, probably too early, by the way. Um, He's been a good defensive coordinator for several years. I get the hire. I don't think he's better than Bill Belichick. Belichick not being in the NFL. (laughs) The, you know, look. I I really wanted Belichick to 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 be in there, so. I could continue to listen to his growling and grunting during press conferences. Those are just my personal, (laughs) I think it's funny. And in fact, Scott Van Pelt does a full segment on him 
uh, every Sunday night. Uh, let's go to Bill Belichick press conference. Yeah, you know, and so I like that. Plus, he's a heck of a coach. Now I get it. Uh, he's getting and coming under some criticism for not connecting with younger guys and having a big ego. Uh, well, he's old. <laughs> what do you want? And he's won six Super Bowls. So yeah, he's got a big ego. Uh, do you think he turned down jobs, or do you think it was more he was rejected for jobs? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he turned down jobs. Um, uh, you know, he only got one interview. I think that when the Dallas Cowboys kept Mike McCarthy, that just you know totally upset his world because that's the job that he was pretty much in that orbit. And as a matter of fact, Jerry Jones lately has said that he's good friends with Bill Belichick and wouldn't mind working with him and, and thinks it could work, which automatically sets up Bill Belichick as the leader in the clubhouse for the Dallas Cowboys job in 2024 or in January of 2025 if Mike McCarthy doesn't get that team to perform in the playoffs again. Vrabel not getting a job surprising? Maybe as surprising as Belichick, because I thought he'd be employed five minutes after the Titans fired him. But I think the, the tactical problem and the tactical mistake that he made was he, he hung back early on in the process to kind of figure out where he wanted to go and by the time he decided that he wanted to go somewhere, like two jobs or three jobs had already been filled. And the ones that were left were already down the road on interviews and philosophy internally of what they wanted in a coach. The other thing is Mike Vrabel comes with certain demands, among which is he it's not Belichickian in that he wants to do it his way and must have it his way. But it was interesting that when the Tennessee Titans hired Brian Callahan, they mentioned collaboration a lot. <laughs> they, they said that he was very collaborative. Uh, and no one ever said that in Tennessee about Mike Vrabel. No, but it is like you're right. Like you either got to go or not because these jobs, if you're not talking to somebody, somebody else is. What do you think of Mayo, Gerard Mayo being hired in Bill Belichick's place? Eh. <laughs> Let me give you a Belichick answer. Really? <laughs> That's the Belichick answer. Grunt. Um, I, I, look, I'm not a big fan of – Moving on from Bill Belichick and, you know, going in another direction, so to speak, by hiring a Bill Belichick disciple. That doesn't make sense to me. Why, why hire the disciple when you can have the mentor? I, 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 that, that doesn't feel – I mean, that Patriots defense, which he has been over, 
had its issues as well, and they were much better than the offense. I grant you that. Maybe Belichick had something to do with that. But they were part of the same terrible season last year as what the rest of the team was, and they promoted they promoted the defensive play caller as a result. And obviously it was part of the contract. It was negotiated, and that was done – way before this season. So I understand, you know, Robert Kraft, true to his word, but the the Patriots' problem is on offense, and they've got a a defensive-minded head coach and one who doesn't really understand how to make a quarterback better. So goodbye, Mac Jones becoming better, and one who really – doesn't understand how to develop a quarterback so whoever the Patriots draft will be the underling and the and the project for development by the offensive coordinator not the head coach you know it's funny you said what you said I always thought when I was an assistant coach to coach Knight at Indiana man if we win I can get a job if we lose I can't get a job apparently in Mayo's case I always thought if we lost and the head coach got fired, I'd probably get fired with him, not be elevated to the head coach because I was part of the reason we lost. And look, I, I grant you, everyone's an individual, and so Gerard Mayo will approach the job differently than what Bill Belichick did. But let's not, let's not mistake the fact that he learned to be a coach and whatever he knows about being a head coach, he learned from one guy, and that guy is Bill Belichick. And so how are you turning the page when you're turning the page back? It's I, I, Right. I, I, I don't like that hire. I understand why they made it, and, you know, it was part of a deal set long ago. But I, I'm not a big fan of that hire. Did, did the Raiders and the – and the, whatever success that the Raiders had under Antonio Pierce, were, was Mark Davis's hand forced because Pierce did well enough that they made him hire him? Uh, two things. Mark Davis is still paying a lot of money to former head coaches. And Antonio Pierce probably is not making double figures like some of these double figure millions per year like some of these head coaches are. So that's number one. Number two, when you have a potential mutiny in the locker room, if you don't hire a guy after you already blew the last time the locker room told you to hire someone and you didn't do it, you have the potential to become the bad guy in the organization. And I don't think Mark Davis is one of those guys that loves to be the bad guy. His father loved, enjoyed, reveled in the idea of being the bad guy. Al Davis was that dude, but Mark Davis doesn't love being the bad guy, and he's not now. He's he's revered uh, in the locker room because he hired the guy that the players wanted. 
There's a saying in coaching, if you listen to players and you listen to fans, you end up sitting with the fans. We shall see what happens there. Uh, Dan Quinn catching a little bit of hell. You like the – I never thought I'd see a, 40, or a, a cowboy coach go over to the commanders or Redskins, whatever. You like the hire of Dan Quinn? Yeah, Dan Quinn's a good coach. He's proven. Um, he, as I wrote uh, in uh, an outkick um, – by the way, outkick.com, you guys should go there. Um, yes, sir. It's ironic, really, because the the commanders have a GM that started out in the NFL in 2003 um, with the New England Patriots. And he won two Super Bowls with the New England Patriots under Bill Belichick. And... He hired a guy who went to a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator and lost to Bill Belichick. And then he went to a Super Bowl and as a head coach and lost to Bill Belichick. So the commanders didn't interview Bill Belichick when they had all the reason in the world to do that. But they go with the guy who lost multiple huge games to Bill Belichick. And the guy who hired him is a guy who learned under a Bill Belichick coaching, you know, situation. And so that that felt a little strange to me. Having said that, Dan Quinn is a good coach. I'm sure that he, at the very least, the commander's defense will be good next year. Um, it's going to have a hard time being worse than it was this year, but it will be good next year. Their problem continues to be what they're going to do at quarterback. That's the issue there. And I don't think that if you ask Dan Quinn today, how do you fix it? He would tell, he would give you a three point plan that absolutely 100% is going to work. Oh, I agree with that. I think he probably gave him a five point plan on how he thinks it's going to work. That's how he got one of the reasons he got the job. But I guarantee you, do you know that's going to work? Hell no. You know, and it's not like relative to Belichick, you know, is is the new ownership group, Josh Harris, this group, they're not Dan Snyder, or maybe they are. I don't know. But man, uh, it seemed like people would want to go work for the commander. Snyder's out, new regime in. No. I would say so at this point. I mean, you know, look, yeah. you don't really know who these guys are in, in coaching for about two and a half years. You don't really know yeah. what a quarterback is for about two and a half seasons. Ownership, you don't really know who they are for about five years, uh, maybe six. And so it takes a while longer to figure out if they have acumen or if they're a bunch of foofs. Um, and right now, you know, the ownership group, Josh Harris and alike, they're in their honeymoon period. It, you know, they haven't screwed up anything. Of course, we don't know if they've gotten anything right either. I want to, before I let you go, reports are Caleb Williams doesn't want to play in Chicago. Give me the real. Does Chicago worry about that? Do they address it? What, 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 what do you see as the real in that scenario? I don't think those reports are real, number one. I think Caleb Williams will play wherever Caleb Williams gets drafted, number two. And I think that's a five-minute conversation with Caleb Williams. Uh, Caleb 
we are the Chicago Bears. Do you want to come play for us? Period. That's it. And it'll that's it. that conversation can be had uh, at the end of this month at the Indianapolis Combine face to face with 15 guys from the organization sitting in a suite with Caleb Williams sitting in the suite there with them. And it'll be like that. And I think the answer will be, if you pick me, I'm playing. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that, what, what do you think? What does Armando think the Bears should do? I think they should pick Caleb Williams. <laughs> Look, <laughs> absolutely. I, Justin Fields is, is a nice piece. Uh, but he's not a developed quarterback. He is, um, look, Lamar Jackson has struggled to win in the playoffs. But Lamar Jackson by year two was balling in the regular season. Justin Fields, I believe this has already been year three, and he's still a roller coaster. Some weeks he's he's pretty impressive, and some weeks he's pretty unimpressive. Um, if you're like that in the regular season, you're about five years maybe from showing up big time in the postseason. I don't think people that are running the Chicago Bears have five years to waste, to wait for a playoff win. And so I, I think that they're going to go with the obvious answer. And, you know, if that involves maybe trading Justin Fields, they might do that. If that involves keeping Justin Fields and, you know, seeing what the competition holds, they might do that. Justin Fields doesn't get much of a say at this point. He's under contract and it's his rookie contract. And he hasn't done anything that would scream you don't get me a replacement on this roster. He just doesn't. There's going to be competition one way or the other. I agree. No, I agree. I, I, I totally agree. And you see what you can get in the trade market. Armando, have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, man. Love talking to Armando. You can catch the five spot with Armando and Donovan McNabb right here on the Outkick Network. You can catch it on Outkick. Com. You can catch it at all of our outlets. There it is, the five spot with Donovan McNabb, Tuesdays and Fridays at Outkick.com on Facebook, X, YouTube, you name it. You can find us. Last hour of the week means one thing. It means hammer time, and it means hot women with screen caps. Go right now. Go tell your friends. Turn on Dockage because it's going to be wild, fun, and sexy. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, This is from Jason Allen Hammer. I'll be on at Outkick at 10 o'clock talking politics, sports, and driving women crazy with my tan athletic thighs. Join me and Dan Dockich at Outkick. Let me see those thighs. Take off those pants and let me see those thighs. Here, don't threaten me with a good time here, kid. Look at these things. Look at these things right here. You ready for that? 
You ready for that? No, I wasn't. If you put your no, ear up to the, you with a good the screen, you can see all the viewers. You can hear all the viewers coming in. You know, you can see and hear. You can hear people go, please don't turn that thing a little bit forward. Please, we don't need to see no pubes on this show. Hey, uh, I got to ask you. I, I asked a simple question to people, a very simple question. And I want to know your answer to this question. I know your answer is going to be no, but will people vote for Biden? Yes, people will. Why? Because people are stupid. People are stupid, Dan. We live in a country where we have to tell people, please don't eat Tide Pods. We live in a country where we have to tell people, please don't do the social media challenge where you're burning your arm on a coil to make it look like a fake tattoo. There's a reason why Drano has a label on it that says, do not drink. Yes, people are going to vote for Joe Biden. Why? Because they believe Donald Trump is the worst thing in the world. But it's funny, if they would actually just take a deep breath, sit back, and look at some of their previous tweets or Facebook posts or Instagram posts or whatever, all the things that they were scared Donald Trump was going to do Guess who's doing it? Joe Biden is doing all the things. So we talked about this on our show yesterday. I'm not trying to be a smart ass here at all, but think about all the people in positions of power in this country. Is there anyone that's any good at their job? Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, stinks. Uh, look at the FBI, Christopher Ray, stinks. Look what our military has been uh, turned into. We've got dudes pretending to be chicks, chicks pretending to be dudes. Uh, the leader of our military went missing for you know, a good three or four days. Nobody knew where he was at. There was no communication. Nobody is any good at their job. And the border, Mayorkas, this cat's about to get impeached. Imagine being the one that was so bad in the Biden administration that everybody looked at you and said, yes, you're the one that has to go. All of these people are losers. All of them are idiots, but idiots will find a way to do idiot things. So, yes, people will vote for Joe Biden. Do you think he'll win? Man, I think it's going to be close. And I hate saying this. I really do. But the polling has never really been kind to Republicans the last couple of years. Every time you think there's going to be this Republican wave, red wave, it never is. Look at the midterms this past uh, two years. That was supposed to be a Republican red wave because it was an indictment on Joe Biden. It was an indictment on his policies, his presidency. It was an indictment on the border and crime and the economy and all the things. And every poll showed you, look out, red wave. The Republicans lost the Senate and they took the House by just a little bit. Just a little bit. The polling showed it was going to be a blowout. And this happens time and time again. So anytime you see a poll, and I don't care if it's from a Democrat-leaning place or if it's a conservative-leaning place like Trafalgar, just know the Republicans underperform. They're Purdue in the NCAA tournament. Just when you think everything's going to be awesome and you're going to make a run and win this thing, you underperform when the lights are the brightest. That's the Republican Party right now, and that's what scares me. We couldn't say this when we were on YouTube because they would ban you, but my thing is this. I understand being from Northwest Indiana, and I saw it in my own house 
a candidate wanted us to sign up the empty lot next to us. I understand there's voter fraud. And anybody that tells me there's not can kiss my ass because I have seen it. That's what I worry about. I look at all this other You're stuff. Right. I see the polling. I, I, and I go, wait a second. Somehow, some way, Republicans better get into those counting places. Somewhere, somewhere, somehow, they better get into the polling uh, poll booths, whatever the hell you call it. You better get in there. And that's a great point because the rules of engagement are set to where the Republicans could do this too if they wanted to. Now, it stinks when you have to have a conversation about who's better at uh, creative jelly bean counting, to put it mildly. But there's a lot of places where ballot harvesting is a thing. Ballot harvesting exists. But the Republicans stink at it. I get it. The Republicans, and myself included, we're the people that show up on election day. We love to show up on the day of, go back, cast our vote, put the sticker on, and then go home and get ready for disappointment. That's what we do. But the game has to change. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and wanting a different result. The Republicans have got to get in there. They've got to find, one, somebody that can captivate Republican voters. Two, a Republican candidate that can pick up some down ballot people. That's one of the things I loved about Ron DeSantis. Now, obviously, he's not going to be the Republican nominee for president. But look what he did in Florida. He turned a kind of a swing state to a hardcore red state by picking up down ballot Republicans, campaigning for them, stumping for them. And the last thing is ballot harvesting, mail-in ballots. The Republicans suck at that. And the rules of engagement are set up to where if they can find a way to compete, they can do it too, but they're just not very good at it. I'm going to switch gears back to the Super Bowl. You are a degenerate gambler. You have degenerate gambler picks. The Super Bowl is coming up. Are you a all guy? Hey, look, I'll bet anything prop. I don't care. If not, if yes, what do you think? What are you seeing early? If not, who do you like in the Super Bowl? Yes to all of that, Coach. Yes. You're looking at a guy that will I bet knew the on answer. a coin toss. I will bet on the coin toss. If there are two fat guys playing catch outside of my office right now, I want action on that. That's the kind of degenerate that I am. Now, as for the game itself, I've been thinking about this a lot because heading into the postseason, I thought San Francisco was the best team. But I've kind of done a 180 on this. And tell me if you think this is good strategy or not. I'm going to defer to you and your viewers here. If I bet on Patrick Mahomes getting points or the money line, and he loses, I can sleep well at night knowing that I hitched my wagon to a generational quarterback and it didn't work out. But if I bet on San Francisco and I bet on Brock Purdy to cover over Patrick Mahomes or San Francisco to win outright and they get beat, I have to go to bed at night knowing you spent money on Brock Purdy over Patrick Mahomes in a big game? What the hell is wrong with you? So for that very reason, for my ability to feel good about myself, if I lose, I'm taking Kansas City here, Coach. I swear to God, you said it perfectly. Like, you sit there and you wait to die. Like, one of, the, one of my favorite things to do in the NFL was it's dark outside, it's the second half, fourth quarter, 
Aaron Rodgers has the ball. He's down six. He's in snow in Lambeau. He's got a scotch in one hand. He's firing strikes <laughs> down the field on the other hand. And I know that I've bet on him. One of the worst things to do is to know that you bet on Tyler Huntley on the other team or Gardner Minshew right. on the other team while he's going down the field, right? I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Again, if I get beat, I get beat. I'll tip my hat to Brock Purdy. You know, I'll right. tip my hat to Christian McCaffrey. But I've always said, if the better quarterback, if all things are equal, and the better quarterback is getting points, and in this case it is, that's where I want to hitch my wagon, and I'm going Mahomes. I just saw, I just looked this up. It's plus two right now. I've, I have a theory, and it, it's pretty good. I mean, I guess maybe I lost once or twice out of however many years. Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, and the Kansas City Chiefs, I will always bet them getting points. It doesn't happen often, but when those three entities get points, I'm always betting them, Hammer, always. No question right. about it. Now, just for blanks and giggles here, you can't talk about the Super Bowl without talking about the people in the suite, right? You've got Taylor Swift. you got all the people. That doesn't bother me at all. And maybe I'm like the only conservative talk show host that doesn't care. Taylor Swift does not bother me. What does bother me is that all the attention being paid to Taylor Swift is taking away from the fact that the people that Patrick Mahomes surrounds himself with are just awful just the worst his idiot brother you've got his wife who thinks she's a bigger star than taylor swift for some reason and the old man pat mahomes let's not get it twisted here old pat's not winning father of the year awards anytime soon and i'm old enough to remember when he was a bum on the cubs so yes everybody can talk about taylor swift if you want that's fine i don't care but the real focus needs to be on how patrick mahomes is seemingly a good guy considering the inner circle that he surrounds himself with. What what bothers you about Mahomes Sr.? Mahomes Sr., there was a lot of infidelity stuff going on back in the day. Wasn't always there for uh, the youngster, and he's still there. Like, don't get me wrong. He's not some deadbeat that comes back out of nowhere, like at the end of The Water Boy when he tries to be uh, the father to Bobby Boucher. But – Old Pat's not winning Father of the Year award anytime soon. The fact that he was tailgating with, like, the Ravens fans the other day, wanting to get himself on camera. Like, everybody in this family wants to be the story. Everybody in that family wants to be on camera, really except for the dude that deserves to be on the camera, and that's Pat, Pat, Pat Jr. I can't stand Jackson Mahomes. And I, I think... You can talk about all the punchable faces in the world, Adam Schiff, whoever. He's the most punchable. <laughs> no argument care. here. No argument here, Coach. That uh, guy, you look up zeros let, in the dictionary, you're going to find a picture of Jackson Mahomes. I agree. I, I, I do. Um, let me, last thing before I let you go. I don't know. I, I'm with you on the whole Taylor Swift thing. Like, Taylor Swift, to me, she don't bother me. She goes to the game. All right. I mean, it's the executives that right. put her on TV. Why wouldn't you put her on TV? She's been good for the league. I mean, whether you like it or not, you look at the attention that it's garnered, and the league eats this up. 
Taylor Swift has been good for the Kansas City Chiefs. How many young girls have bought Travis Kelsey jerseys as a result of, you know, who his girlfriend is? That's the kind of stuff the league's eating up. I have no problem with that at all. The one thing that kind of does make me laugh a little bit, though, is the grown men that rush to social media to defend Taylor's honor if somebody makes a joke. Right. I consider myself like one of the writers from South Park. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I feel like I can make fun of everybody, myself included. But if you make a joke about Taylor Swift on Facebook, you're going to get some virtue signaling grown man who wants to show you how progressive and thoughtful he is by running in to save the damsel in distress that he's never going to meet by saying, you've got a daughter that looks up to Taylor Swift. I think it's inappropriate yeah. for making fun of her. Stop it. Stop it. Stop trying to show everybody how progressive you are. Would you be rushing to social media to defend Travis Kelsey if he were dating Ivanka Trump? I doubt it. So just pump the brakes a little bit. We get it. You're a lefty. Congratulations. Go dye your hair pink. I love having you on, my friend. Can't thank you enough. Thank you. That's the great Jason Allen Hammer. Catch him. Three to six on 93.1 WIBC. I rarely run, but when I do, it's to the bathroom. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Man, don't get old and don't get on meds. Those are the two things that I'm trying to just instill on my crew here because every once in a while, you got to go where you got to go. We're going to talk. Look, this is not just a sports show. This is obviously an anywhere we want it to go. All right, let's look. Vox has put out a ridiculous segment argument. Listen to this. On America and their obsession with protein. We bitch about everything. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. We eat twice as much as the federal government advises, saying excess protein intake will make us sick and will wreck the planet. All while the World Economic Forum is asking us to eat bugs. Let's have a look here on the protein intake here of our world. Hey, look, I don't know what the hell we're supposed to eat. I don't know. I don't know, but I know this. When I eat protein and just protein, uh, I lose weight. Excessive protein. There you go. 
So the United States and Canada exceed the average daily animal-based intake. Uh, Eastern European nations aren't far behind. Excessive protein consumption is also wrecking the planet, with meat and dairy production accounting for upward of one-fifth of greenhouse gas emissions. Globally, most people exceed minimum protein consumption recommendations, but America and Canadians take it to another level. Despite eating more protein than any other region, Americans and Canadians eat the least amount of plant-based protein. Instead, they get it from animal meat, dairy, and eggs. You know, I just read a thing that said we're all supposed to go on a carnivore diet. We're all supposed to eat meat. You guys confuse me. Eggs were bad for so long. Don't eat dairy. Eat meat. Wait, meat clogs your arteries. The planet is going to hell. May I make a suggestion? Just eat what the hell you want. Just, you got a doctor? Listen to the doctor. You got somebody you trust? Not some men's health magazine or Vox or something else. You got something you like. You know what I mean? Then eat it. Uh, Here you go. This is, well, Yellowstone creator Tyler Sheridan, because, well, he created interesting shows. He is going to tell us, if you want to kill the most things on earth, become a vegan. I like it. Here's Joe Rogan and Taylor Sheridan. I think one of the most absurd positions anyone can take is they're a vegan for an ethical reason. It's preposterous. You could do it for a medical reason, even though I don't know what that reason would be, but maybe you can't process you know, meat, you can't process proteins like that. But to do it from an ethical reason is absurd. And the reason I say that is I have plowed a field. It is carnage. It is 12 feet of carnage. And every single plant that you eat is going to be tilled into the ground in some capacity. So you're going to kill everything when Does you plow that, that field. famous uh, conversation that Kevin Costner has uh, in Yellowstone. I wrote, that's why I wrote it. Yeah. People have to understand. You have to take ownership. That same thing, Ted Nugent has saying, said this on this podcast. He yeah. said, if you want to kill the most things, mm-hmm. become a vegan. Yeah, 100%. If you're thinking about individual life, if you don't think that one life equals one life, if you think that small things aren't as valuable as large things, that's a totally different discussion, and that's a weird discussion. But if you think that all life is sacred, well, what about the lives of the ground nesting birds, fawns? Yeah. What about the lives of rodents, insects? All those things are getting demolished. So just eat what the hell you like. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, There's as many glaciers as there was 100,000 years ago. Stop. It's just a matter of what you want to bitch about. I'm very serious about this. Eat what you like. I think most people are coming to that conclusion. Look, Taylor Sheridan, he's, he's right. You dig up all this stuff, you kill all this stuff, then it has an effect. Look, it's I got to do, all you got to do is know anything about ecology, and you'll know that it all comes full circle. Everything is connected. Cows are farting. I don't want to eat cow because it's killing a cow. Well, the cow was bred to be killed. What can I tell you? I, I don't know. Eat whatever the hell you like. I'm a simple man with simple thoughts, with, simple, with a simple face. And I say to you, whatever you do is going to be criticized. And if you choose to, you can listen to that criticism. If you choose to, you can pay attention to it. Not only pay attention to it, you can react to it. And then you go, what the hell am I doing? Uh, I'm eating bugs. 
That's where you end up. You're going to end up eating soylent green human beings or bugs. Don't. Eat ice cream. Get yourself a nice steak. Go to your place. Eat some turkey. I don't know. Be a vegan. Get some tomato soup. I was a vegan for a day. And you'll look like me right there without the bronzer. You guys can't get that bronze. I got the tanning bed in my house, and it makes me look like that. I got the Tom Crean Memorial tanning bed. But you can tell the difference, right? You can tell in this picture that I am a vegan, or I am a carnivore, or maybe I just eat what I want. I work out like a crazy person, and I keep my head outside the tanning booth because that head is far wider. I don't know. Did my mom send you this picture? Mom, I know you watch the show. But did you send this picture of me back from college? I tried to keep that thing under wraps. Huh. Interesting. Uh, This is the wildest story I've ever heard in college sports. Uh, It is. I'm sorry. And I'm going to try to do it justice. But in the world of gambling, which is wide open right now, the one area where it's closed is you cannot be a college coach and gamble. You cannot be a college coach and help your buddies make money. This story was back from the summer or maybe back from the spring even. But it just got resolved with a 15-year show cause for a coach named Brad Bohannon. Brad Bohannon had a hell of a job in college baseball at Alabama. If you can work at Alabama in the athletic department, you got yourself a good job worthy of protecting. And I'm going to try to do this story justice. So Bohannon, who they fired in May, he did not participate in the NCAA's investigation of him. He said, yeah, I ain't doing it. And the reason he didn't do it was because he, ladies and gentlemen, honest to God, not only participated in gambling, gave information about gambling, but encouraged his idiot friends who are stone idiots to use his advice and go gamble, and it's all on tape. Bohannon messaged this individual. This guy was going to gamble. He said their pitcher, their star pitcher, is out for sure. Let me know when I can tell LSU. Hurry, he texted the better. The better's identified as Brett Eugene Neff. He tried to, listen to this, listen. He tried to place a $100,000 bet at Great American Ballpark. But he was limited to $15,000. That was the max. The guy started being angry and belligerent, saying, look, and he showed the phone. I've got inside information. I'm going to win. You must let me bet this. This guy is an Indiana businessman, a youth baseball coach. He pled guilty to obstruction charges. This guy, this guy was in front of the teller. So you go to a gambling teller at Vegas, but this is at Great American Ballpark. And you go, all right, I'd like to put, uh, let's see here. I'd like to put $100,000 down on Alabama to beat LSU. It's number 2067. Well, sir, uh, only $15,000 is what you're allowed. No, 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 no. You don't understand. This is, this is what the guy said. This is in the affidavit. No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's a sure thing. 
No, the, the coach gave it to me. He, he, he gave me the inside information. Here it is. Shortly after receiving the messages from Bohannon, the better attempted to place a $100,000 wager on the LSU baseball team at the Bet MGM Sportsbook at the Great American Ballpark. But the sportsbook limited the bet to $15,000. The better then attempted to place additional wagers involving the game. Same game, including the better's insistent demeanor to get the bet placed and a statement to sportsbook staff that the bet was for sure going to win. If only you guys knew what I knew, the suspicious activity included the better showing sportsbook staff messages. He showed the messages from the coach at Alabama, Bohannon, and explained that the messages were Bohannon informing the better that Alabama was scratching its starting pitcher before the game and before Bohannon alerted LSU. Here's the deal. I'm firing the guy for just hanging out with idiots. Bohannon, the coach. This Neff guy has got to be the dumbest SOB alive. Think about it. A sports book makes you think and get comfortable with betting. They make you think that they want to give you money. They don't. So you're going to a guy, girl, at a kiosk. And they don't care, but they know the bottom line is we want your money. Where you're telling the person that you're actually going against the house Don't worry about it. I'm going to take your money if you knew what I knew. Jesus. The guy Bohannon and the guy Neff are the dumb and dumber of sports gambling. Screen caps coming up right now. Joe Kinsey, last half hour. It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. You know what we call that, Nick and Nick and Dylan? We call it investing with Uncle Sack. You know, when you host and you got a bad knee and you're on meds and you got to stop the show in the middle to go to the bathroom, you like when somebody can carry the last half hour of the freaking week. And Joe Kinsey and screen caps, he carries this half hour into greatness. Joe, you're a Reds fan. I saw this statistic and this was mind boggling to me. You ready? Go for it, Dan. Pete Rose could return to baseball, go 750 for 750, and Tony Gwynn would still have a higher batting average over his career. That's stunning to me. Absolutely stunning. How about the strikeouts for Tony Gwynn, Dan? I mean, was it like 40 in his career? Like the guy had years where he had like five strikeouts? It's insane. Yeah, there, was some, had a lot there of was some deal him, where there was some deal where he faced like Maddox and Glavin and Martinez and a couple other guys, and he had a total of like four career strikeouts against them. I don't know. I I disliked. I really liked Tony Gwynn, and then in '84 his Padres beat my Cubs, so I was you know despondent. But 750 for 750 and still would have a higher career batting average than Pete Rose Rose is unbelievable to me, Joe. It's incredible. Incredible. Besides your hatred of the Padres for beating your 84 Cubs, I don't know how anybody could hate Tony Gwynn or dislike Tony Gwynn. My God, what an ambassador. 
do miss him. I miss him and Kirby Puckett. I agree. I agree with both of those things. I do. All right. Screen caps, Joe. What am I seeing here? Let's go. Screen caps. Oh boy. Okay. All right. I like where you guys, I like where you guys are starting, Dan. You guys are starting down under today. Kara Ellis, uh, one of my favorites because, Dan, she is one that performs on the cruise ships. Dan, I don't know if you're a cruise ship guy, but she is like a topless review cruise ship woman who does like the aerial acrobatics. She'll get on those like swings that start swinging around at these shows like Cirque du Soleil. And Kara Ellis can do things with her body. She is a contortionist, Dan, one of my favorites. I told you last week, I like when a woman on Instagram has some sort of prop. Kara Ellis, her body is a prop. Her legs go everywhere. Her arms go everywhere. Good for her. She's one of my favorite. Thank you to you, the, the Dan Dockage team for bringing her out today. So let me see if I understand this. She's on a cruise ship. I've been on two cruises, one of which was like, I don't know if I signed up for the gangbanger cruise ship. But everybody was smoking weed. I didn't like it. I wouldn't go back uh, to that one. I, I would spend a lot of money to go to a higher-end one. But she's flopping around with no top on or naked while she's doing uh, Cirque du Soleil-type moves on cruise ships? Is that what you're telling me? But in a classy way. She's like, she's like one of oh, those Oh, she Vegas, keeps it classy. Uh, yeah, real classy. She's like one of those Vegas girls that has those uh, big flamingo hair, uh, you know, uh, headdresses. She's sure. one of those, like a like showgirl. She's a showgirl, but real classy. Not the gangbanger uh, classy, real classy. All right. Joe, this next woman, I feel bad even looking at her. I- I'm not going to lie, Joe. She looks like she's like 10 years old. Like, Here we I, go I, again. I know she's not. What's that? Here we go again. You got your guys love hockey goalie Michaela Demeter. They love her. She is not 10. She is like 25, Dan. She is like right. She, she's not even 27, like a power hitter in the Major League Baseball. She's still working towards her next MLB contract. She is, I've been tracking her for years, Dan. She's well into her 20s. Still looks phenomenal for a hockey goalie. I don't know how she did it. No broken arms, no broken, uh, you know, bruises everywhere. What a what a force she is on Instagram. Joe, is tracking the same as stalking, or is it different? Well, as an editor, Dan, I, it's it's legalities uh, say that I'm allowed to. I mean, I'm not I'm not in her DMs like some of these weirdos. Uh, honestly, I don't think I've ever uh, DM'd a woman, including my wife, over uh, you know some sort of crazy. You know, I'm not DMing my wife. But uh, Michaela, she keeps the content flowing. I'm going to track it like a hound dog, Dan. Joe, Joe, I thought you couldn't get into anybody's DMs unless they followed you and you follow them. That's how stupid I am with DMs. I don't know nothing about DMs. Yeah, you can slide right into a lot of them, Dan. They have to have them locked down. But uh, a lot of these women, I, they'll, they're, Dan, they're looking for athletes. If an athlete goes shopping on Instagram – Michaela Demeter has to have her Instagram DMs wide open. She can go shopping just like the MLB pitcher or NBA center can go shopping. That's how it works. 
Yeah, I'm glad I'm too old. I am. I, I'm glad I'm happily married to the love of my life and I'm too old. Or else, I got to tell you, hey, look, uh, single Dan back when I got divorced, I, I wouldn't be afraid to slide into someone's DMs about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, hey, you know what? You only live once. What the hell? Uh, next. Next. Oh, boy. Jasmine. Uh, WWE. Jasmine WWE. Yeah, she's a, a wrestler, Dan. She's one of the up-and-comers. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know a lot about her. I know she's in WWE. I know WWE, you know, does billions and billions of dollars. Uh, so I like to throw a WWE up-and-comer every now and then. And Jasmine just happened to be – she happened to be the flavor of the week. Uh, you know – the, the WWE, they still have to have women that move the needle, Dan. You, you know, you got to have some Instagram models. They were smart. They went out and got some hot Instagram models. And uh, Jasmine's, you know, she's in her wheelhouse right now. She's on a beach frolicking in the sand. You know, you know, Joe, you and I have talked about this, and I don't feel bad about this at all because it's science. It's pure biology. Men are attracted to women. And women like that men are attracted to them. And if that offends you, you can kiss my ass. Because I don't care how old you are. Once you reach a certain age, that's just what happens. Yes, there are women that are attracted to women and men that are attracted to men. I get all that. But 99% of the world, men are attracted to beautiful women and women are attracted to beautiful men. Kiss my ass anybody that has a problem with this. This next bikini is one of the great bikinis of all time. I'm not sure it fits. Next! Look at this thing. I don't think this bikini fits, Joe. Dan, this is Twitch streamer. Uh, you know, Twitch is a video platform. Twitch streamer Bright Emily. She's another one. Down under, Dan. I'm telling you, it's Australian summer. This is my time to shine. A lot of Instagram trackers, they'll be like, this is when I go on vacation. F that, Dan. This is my time to shine. Bright Emily, she's right in the heart of, uh, of summer down there. Look at this bikini. It's useless, but it moves the needle on Instagram, Dan. Your team likes it. My team likes it. Bright Emily, big time winner for screen caps. What a, what a Joe, bikini, I would argue, I would argue that I personally like a little clothing. I like, I, 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 I like a little mystery, Joe, than, you know what, just slopping it all out there. Am I in the minority or am I in the majority here? Well, I think you are center. I think you're down the center with this. I think, uh, uh, you know, Bright Emily, what she is doing is definitely on the far end of the spectrum. She is taking things to the next level. She is right here. She is, Dan, she is saying, it's time to buy the OnlyFans. It's now or never, guys. Buy it. Do what you need to do. And I'm going to uh, go back to my swimming while I cash your $9.99 a month. Uh, but God bless Bright Emily. She does what she does. I do throw in, you know, Elizabeth Hurley. I like to, I got Christy Brinkley in today, Dan. Tara Reed. I know you remember Tara Reed. By the way, not looking as bad as she had, Dan. I got to say, Tara Reed did something lately. She's back a little bit. I wouldn't say fully, 
But Bright Emily, she knows how to play to her audience. Joe, this next one on Sophie, this is traditional right here. This is iconic picture. Next, next one. This It's just iconic, Joe. Iconic, the basketball. This is what I said about props. I need props. The Hooters team, they know what they're doing. I assume like over the next five days, they're going to dump out a ton of prop content with footballs. Right now, Sophie's like, listen, it's basketball season. I know what you guys want to watch. You want to watch basketball, gamble on college basketball. Come on in, guys. Get some wings, get some beers, get some basketball. So that's what Sophie's job is. Influence the basketball viewers. It's simple science, Dan. I don't know why any of these Instagram models make it difficult. Props, ladies, use the props. Use the damn props. Look, I used to use take my props. son and my nephew. Used to take my son and my nephew on their birthday to Hooters. And because, well, frankly, my kids liked wings. And we would teach them pickup lines like, uh, are you from Tennessee? No. Well, you're the only 10 I see. Uh, something like this. These pi- are you a- Can you call a doctor? Because these pythons are sick. You know what I mean? I mean, the girls loved it. They were always awesome. I'm a big Hooters it. fan. They absolutely were awesome. No matter where we were, on a birthday, my son or my nephew, we would go, we would eat wings, we'd eat cheeseburgers, and the girls were fantastic. Uh, Joe, they're this like, next thing. They're like uh, sisters, Dan. Uh, it's great for the it's They're like older sisters to the kids. It's great. Yes. Yes. Next. Next. Oh, look. Joe. At, I, Dan, I know you're Joe. not eating this stuff nowadays. But look at that mountain of meat and cheese. Would you look at that? Joe, that is good looking. Joe, oh. can you – here's a bigger question, Joe. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. You see the top bun, you see the bottom bun. Can you bite from top to bottom, Even you know, squishing the whole thing? Do you think you could get a mouth on top to bottom right there? That's impossible. How can you even a right. smash? Now those burgers are already smashed. They're going for a smash burger effect. Even if you smash the top of that, you can't get your mouth on that, Dan. I don't know any hose hounds that could even get their mouths on that. That's not easy to get your mouth around. Impossible. But I'd like to see it. If an Instagram model wants to do it, like a Carl's Jr. commercial, I would watch. Joe, can we make a pact on our on our segment here? Can we make a pact that every week there has to be at least one picture of Elizabeth Hurley? I think it's necessary. She is 56, 57 years old. I maybe 58. Hell, I don't know. I lost count. Dan, let's do it every week. She's in there today. Go look. Go look at screen caps. Enjoy life. I'm gonna go enjoy a weekend, Dan. Joe, hang on one second. I do. You mentioned Christy Brinkley, and I, wa- I watch and I read screen caps uh, every time you guys put it out. You guys did say, I think she's 68, 69 years old, and she's looking for love, Joe. I saw that. She's looking for love. She swears there's someone out there. Where's Billy Joel? I mean, I mean, come on. Get her back. She's looking for it. 
Uh, God bless Chrissy Blink Brinkley. I mean, I think love means millions, but uh, she says it's love. She wants, uh, I mean, guys, slide into Christie's DMs. They're open. I had, I had a guy tell me that Christy Brinkley, this is a guy in, in entertainment industry, Christy Brinkley and Halle Berry are absolutely, completely, totally insane. Insane, nuts, there she is, still radiant, no question. But I had a guy that knows, tell me, David Justice described Halle Berry, I've never heard somebody that can pitch a bitch like that woman. So there you go. Yeah, that's what he said. He said it to a friend of mine who was on one of his teams. So I've never seen anything like it. There you go, Joe. And they've been divorced multiple times, right? There's a reason. There's always a backstory, Joe. You know what I'm saying. Joe, I want you to have a great weekend. Do you have any betting tips? Is there anything that you like just off the top of your head? Nothing. I have nothing right now, Dan. I'm looking at the Super Bowl. Give me the Chiefs and the points. If there is still a point out there, uh, is it gone? No. I just looked it up. Matter of fact, it's at two right now. It went up from one. It went to it went to three. It went down to one and a half. It went to one. Now it's at two. It's bouncing a little bit. It is. Give bouncing. me the points. Give me the points. I'm with you. Thanks, Joe. I Thanks, my it. man. Um, bets with double D. Who are we going to – let me I, – I, before I get to that, though, there was a couple stories that I wanted to talk about as we move towards a weekend. Um, you know what? One of the things that we need to talk about – well, hold on one second. Let me go back to it. I just had it here, and then it closed out. Um, I love talking to Joe. I love that that probably offends people. I love that as our show continues to grow, there's going to be an article on what pigs Joe and I are for having conversations about this. I love it. I don't like it. I absolutely love it. I do. Uh, Devontae Smith. I wanted to get into this. Kellen Moore is the new, ladies and gentlemen, he's the new guy at the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember when Steve Kerr came over to the Brooklyn Nets and Harden and Durant? We don't need a coach. Irving, same vibe. Same vibe Kellen Moore has now gotten from Devontae Smith. I love Devontae Smith. I think Devontae Smith is a freak of nature. But he is simply saying this, fellas, let us do what we do. That's right. Don't screw us up. All right? That's not good business. See, one of the things that most athletes do that are great is allow themselves to be coached. They just do. Now, I'm not saying Kevin Durant isn't great. Kevin Durant scores a lot of points, and you all tell me he's great. But that team with arguably three of the five best players, three of the ten best players in the NBA did nothing. Why? They didn't allow themselves to be coached. Devontae Smith appears to be headed in that same direction. Last thing, I am a fan. Ah, it was Nash. I'm sorry. What am I talking about? Thank you, Gary. It wasn't Steve Kerr. I'm getting my little white guys mixed up, and I'm really glad that our boss listens. All right. Here's the deal. I like Gary Sheffield. I like Gary Sheffield, Jr., 
Gary Sheffield Jr., we can have him back on the show. I thought he was great when he used to come on our show. Should Gary Sheffield Sr. be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, numbers-wise, yes. I didn't follow the steroid of Gary Sheffield Jr. to know. But here is what Gary Sheffield Sr. said. It's a flawed system based on guys not watching you on a day-to-day basis because if they did, there's no way they could look at you with a straight face and say, this guy, he's better than this guy, and his numbers mean more than his numbers. Just from that standpoint alone, it's biased, a lot of politics, and a lot of other things when you look at it. Boy, is that true. Uh, message to NBA play, or N- Major League Baseball players. If you want to make the Hall of Fame and you can immediately tell, I'm going to be really good, but I ain't LeBron. I'm going to be really good, but I ain't Bonds. Do yourself a favor. Do the Dick Vitale way of living. Kiss the ass of every writer or influential person in baseball. Dick Vitale used to have a list of who he, what writers he was going to talk about and praise on a broadcast. He would go in the media room, talk to writers, kiss their ass. What do you think happened? Dick Vitale became an icon. If you want to get in the Hall of Fame, these lips, that ass, baseball, influencer, writer, media guy, period. Period. Hey, we got a house bet tonight. We got a house bet tonight, and I am not happy about it. I'm not. Last house bet I gave you was what? Indiana was not going to lose at home the other night against Iowa. Tonight, Iowa is not going to lose at home against Ohio State. Now, understand something. I really like Fran McCaffrey. I will take a bullet. Fran is the head coach of Iowa. I'll take a bullet for Chris Holtman, the head coach at Ohio State. I am nothing if not loyal. Chris Holtman treated my son great. My son had a very difficult, difficult move from Michigan as a little white dude walk-on to Ohio State as a full-time player. Michigan to Ohio State's hard enough. Little white dude, nobody really knows or respects coming in. Ohio State, Jay Sean Tate, Kata Bates-Diop could not have been better, and Chris Holtman could not have been better. But right now, it's desperation time for Iowa. It's where are you at time, which may be desperation time for Ohio State. Do yourself a favor tonight. Do yourself a favor if you're just hanging out. The number is four and a half. That ain't a bad number. If you can get it to four, I always recommend squashing the hook. I hate the hook. See this face? It hates the hook. Hates it. But I ain't mad at four. There's going to be a ton of gambling going on this weekend. You can follow me. I'm going to try to make videos this weekend of all of it. The game of the weekend, Illinois State at home against Bradley. Are you kidding me? Bradley was on a nine-game win streak, and then they lost to Indiana State. But the house bet tonight, when I saw this line, I thought to myself, or when I saw this game, I thought to myself, eh, eh, seven. I make it seven, seven and a half. It's four and a half. Here's the problem with the game. 
man, Iowa fans, they don't come out for the basketball team anymore. They're like, there's nobody in the stands. Maybe there will be tonight, a Friday night in Iowa City. What are you going to do? I guess you can go watch high school basketball. But there ain't much happening. There ain't much happening. But tonight, you can get your weekend. You can get some seed money as you move into the weekend. So, house bet right now, four and a half. That's what it is. Iowa, Ohio State. Period. Hey, last, last thing. I can't thank you all enough. Can't. You guys, whether it is, I don't know, Cashman or Jennifer, you guys have supported us and followed us, and we had another great week. Dylan, you the man. Nick and Nick. I was telling my wife the other day, actually this morning, I go, you know, I love these two Nicks. They text me. They're at the Knicks game last night. In fact, by the way, Candace Parker, I got two words for you. My ass. Was it Candace Parker or one of those other idiot DEI hires, women, that said that Brunson of the Knicks ain't that good? I got to tell you, if Brunson of the Knicks ain't that good, I need somebody to tell me who is that good. Jalen Brunson is two words. Biden style, a bad man. Jalen Brunson is dumb man. One of those idiots, whether it was Candace Parker or one of the other clowns that are hired to do uh, basketball games that are women that don't know their ass from third base, said he was too small to be a star. Yeah, okay. Here it is. Pull it, play jingle bells, and away we go. Man, Jalen Brunson, you are a bad man bad boy. And thanks to Nick and Nick, I'm not sure which Nick, I think it was Nick one that went to the Knicks game last night, which reminded me I better get a live bet on against my Pacers. Hey, thanks for watching. I'll be on 1430 here in Indianapolis. You can download the app, but OutKick here is absolutely rocking and rolling. I want everybody to have a fantastic weekend. There's no football of consequence this weekend as we get ready for the Super Bowl. Dylan, thank you. All of you guys, Brooke and 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 uh, Beth the Booker, and of course Nick and Nick, Aaron, and uh, our friends Gary, the boss, the leader. Thank you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Dockage out.